You are listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. I, I count it a, a great honor. Uh, Carrie is part of the AOI leadership that we have come under and been fellowshipping with for years. And uh, uh, Pastor Owen's going to be here the first week in March. And uh, uh, so we're, we're getting AOI here first part of the year. Uh, and uh, just I'm, I'm honored. I would hope that you would have the same respect. Fill my heart. They are my... If, if you have a problem with me, call him. <laughs> well, no. no. Uh, how do I... I've seen most churches yeah, just, just, just don't give them your phone number, right? <laughs> BR549, write that down. BR549, that's his phone number. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, but anyway, we want to welcome uh, AOI... Diane and Carrie this morning uh, I know he's going to hear from I know he's already heard from heaven he's not going to tell you what he thinks you need to know he's going to tell you what God's telling you you need to know amen he's going to speak the word of truth let's give him a hand it's, a, it's already on very good very good Everybody doing all right? Yes. Well, my wife, uh, Diane, is with me, and we travel a great deal, and she doesn't get to travel with me uh, all the time, but I am so thankful when she does. She is the chief intercessor for the church that I've pastored. We're the founding pastors of Trinity Fellowship Church. been there 24 years, and uh, she heads up the intercessory team. She even uh, works in having intercession for businesses and understanding places and what's happening in various places and, and calling those things that are destiny there into, into place. And so I enjoy her being with me. Explain what you mean by intercessory for businesses. Uh, well, in this particular case, I was meeting with a couple of businessmen and they asked me, because uh, I do this from time to time, and as, uh, as a, a seer over into what's, what they think happening business-wise. And so a couple of guys, I was meeting with them, they said, if you were in our situation business, what would you do? And I said, first thing, I would hire intercessors. Because wherever you hire, you have a value, and it's work, and praying is work. And so one guy said to me, he said, I'm too cheap for that, I would never pay for that. And the other guy was a home health care business, and he said, that's interesting. So he called one of the elders in my church and sent him over that and said, would you gather intercessors to pray over my business, and, and uh, Diane was one of those, and they pay them so many hours a month, and they pray over their business, and since they've been doing that, they've, they've, four, they've increased their business four times in a city where there's a lot of competition. Four times the amount of business there. They're convinced of it, and they've seen it happen. So intercessors are not just people that pray. I've been in meetings to where people spent a whole hour praying the problem and never declaring the solution. Come on. Lord, you know. And so when they hear people praying over the sick, Lord, you know that they're a good person. Lord, you know that we need them. Lord, you know what the doctor said. And after 45 minutes, we said, yes, we know. Yeah. <laughs> and if God is omniscient, when he is, he knows as well. Mm -hmm. 
But he, they told us to declare on earth, as Pastor was saying, what's already declared in heaven. So he's looking for people that are not rehearsing the problems on earth, but he's declaring those things that he's already spoken. Come on. And that's why that all of us are prophetic. We reduce prophecy down to, to where when someone goes up and says, Thus saith the Lord of a person, and that's one element of prophecy. Because according to Revelation 19, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And according to Colossians 1, 26 and 7, that Christ in us, what is that? The spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy, Christ in us, is the expectation and hope with the ability to see glory. And glory is not chill bumps. Glory is literally Him glorifying or lightifying, lighting up, emphasizing, showing His goodness in a matter. When He told uh, Moses, show, when Moses said, show me your glory, He didn't go out and said, let me show you what chill bumps are like. Because all oh, that feels glorious. Well, I'm thankful for that when it happens. But he says, I'm going to make all my goodness, which means everything that I am, my best and all of my expression and my life and how I think is going to pass before you. So the glory of God is the goodness of God. So when we're talking about praying problems, then what we're saying is the glory of God is not sufficient because sometimes it causes us to feel good just to vent. And there's a time and place for venting. But I, one of the things that I appreciate about my wife is she understands about being prophetic, and prophetic is praying how God calls us to pray, not how we feel. Oh, come on. So when we pray prophetically, we're saying this is the heart of God over this matter. So if we understand that there's no cancer in heaven, then he says there shouldn't be any cancer here. That's right. We haven't gotten there, and I certainly haven't arrived, but we're finding great results when we begin to declare who he is instead of declaring how bad cancer is. I've prayed with people that have wanted to tell me all of the doctor reports and not, couldn't get one, I, one thought about what God said in that matter. Mm. You know, the doctor says people die with this. Well, what does the Bible say? According to Psalms 107, he sent his word and healed them. So whichever word that we believe is the word that interacts with us. If we believe the word for the doctor only, that means that we are bound to what he said. You've got six months to live. Or we can believe the word of the Lord because when he said he sent his word, is the word sent apostella, which means an apostolic word. And Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession or declaration. So when he's saying, when I believe that he sent his word, it meant that they sent Jesus, the word made flesh and dwelt among us. He sent his word, his son, and if those who believe his word, not just believe in him, because it's possible to believe in him and never believe him. And so believing in means it's conceptual possible. It's possibility thinking. But when you believe him, it's a personal intimacy that I know his heart and that what he says will happen. So when we believe him, then it begins to be manifested. Not too long ago, a couple of years ago, I say too long, my wife could tell you the exact date probably. I was doing a worship, I was doing a conference in healing, and that's not an area to where that, that I'm known for doing that, but that I don't believe in specialists because whenever you, whatever the problem faces you, you have what's necessary to deal with it. Instead of having a ministry of this and a ministry of that and a ministry of something else, we are able ministers because we serve and whatever we suit up and show up and see what he wants to do. So in the course of that, a long a line of people were there in, uh, there in the Magnolia, 
and uh, it was late one evening and gone down the line giving prophetic declarations of, of whatever the need was down. And a young lady was at the end of that. And I was tired, been ministering for days. And so that was the last uh, meeting of that, of that line of uh, meeting scheduled. Came to her and I said to her, may the comfort of the Holy Spirit be your portion. I've never used that term before that I remember. And in the course that she said, she thought to herself, she gave his testimony later. She said, Lord, he's given all these words to these people all down the line, and I'm at the last of the end, and I get the leftovers. And what kind of word is that? May the comfort and the Holy Spirit be your portion. She had multiple sclerosis in the last stages. She was in extreme pain on painkillers that just caused her to be the walking dead, had not been able to fix a meal for her family for four years, had not been able to do much, and she just was able to come to the meeting. And she came to that point, and the Holy Spirit said to her, they were pastors. I didn't know they were pastors. And, she, and the Holy Spirit said, what is the name of your church? And she said, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said to her, he didn't know that, but the word to you meant the fact is I am present to heal. I didn't pray a prayer of healing. I didn't call the devil a bunch of names. He already knows that. I didn't, you know, holler and scream. Simply, she believed the healer, and she was healed. She went back and said, and I said, don't go back and sit down until faith has touched your heart and something's happened inside of you that you know that there's been an encounter with him. Not theologically, but a realistic way. She stood there for several minutes, went back and sat down, and she thought somebody reached over behind her, sitting behind her, started massaging her scalp. Multiple sclerosis where the, the insulation around all the nerve endings in your body from your brain all the way down is, is really just decayed. And I'll just, they're just out there just in pain constantly. And thought somebody started massaging her brain. Next morning she got up and cooked meal for the first time. After a few days she went to the doctor. They did the MRIs and she told him, I want you to do this. He said, we already have the scans. You have lesions on your brain, scar tissue there. We know it. She says, then I want you to do it again. He said, well, you'll have to pay for it. And she said, I'll pay for it. I want to see. They pulled it up, and he said, came back in. We need to run it again. Something's wrong. They ran it a second time. She said, second time, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> they put it up there side by side, and here's where it was just a few weeks before that. And there was no scar tissue on the brain, and it all, it looked like competitive, had been, you know, normal at that point. Why? It's because a word that was spoken prophetically was not about healing. It was a word that confirmed to her that the healer is present to do whatever you believe him to do. Because the Bible doesn't say, you know, we should pray for the sick. It said heal the sick. Because a lot of times we pray about the problem we, we pray about the sickness and tell God all the new medical things about what the doctor said instead of declaring on earth as it is in heaven. And I think one of the things that causes us to be at a halt in the, in the kingdom of God is that whatever we magnify is, is what has control of our life. And the Bible talks about magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. So when I magnify the problem, I am actually seeing the problem as one who has power and I need to worship it. Because whoever I yield my members to, there I am servant to obey. 
And the more that I just magnify the problem and dwell upon how big it is, and, and sometimes we get on the phone and, and, rehash and, ha- and rehash and give opinions, the next thing is this thing is so overshadowed the Spirit of God that it just becomes the thing that we, controls our life and consumes it. So in worship this morning, I was in, and by the way, great job, worship team. Uh, I commend you for your faithfulness. And the word faithfulness does not mean just consistent. It means full of faith. That you worshiped with a heart that, that released faith. I saw it in your heart and faith this morning. So great job. It's a lot of work doing that. But in Proverbs it says that where hope deferred, the heart grows sick. We can sometimes, after periods of time expecting and believing God for something, we lose that sense of cutting edge to where I think he's going to do it. And then it wears thin to where I hope he's going to do it. And then eventually down, well, I think maybe one of these days he'll do it. You keep going years later, and maybe he won't do it in my lifetime. And we just keep moving farther away. One of the ways that we can uh, deal with that is that understand that disappointment is not God's idea. God does not disappoint. Disappointment is a preconceived idea of mine that I came up with how it was going to do and the timing I was going to want it to be done in. And so it's a preconceived idea that never was God's anyway. But God always appoints. I've appointed you a harvest. I've appointed you a time. He's about making appointments, not disappointments. And so if you're here this morning, and a lot of us, you know, we fall into this. I know that I do from time to time. You have disappointments in things and disappointments with people. But know this morning that God doesn't think like we think. In fact, that's what he says in Psalms. He's speaking back to the people on the earth. He says, and you thought that I was altogether like you. That's why he sits in the heavens and laughs. He sees things from a different perspective. But God thinks in redemptive terms. We think in linear terms. Linear terms is where that we hear something or God speaks something or we hear something out of the word at, at this point, alpha, and then we keep moving it along and we start charting, you know, it's been a year, two years, five years, ten years, twenty years later, and it hasn't happened, and I'm now down at the omega, the beginning and the end. God doesn't, is not a linear thinking. In fact, he thinks outside of time. Time was given to man so that we could enjoy and slow things down till we could understand the things of God. Because if they happened as fast as he was thinking, we couldn't keep up with it. Because he thinks at the speed of revelation and the speed of light, we have to. So time is for the reason of slowing things down for us. But God is redemptive, which means he thinks circular, not linear. Where he says alpha and omega are at the same point. Where I start and I end are at the very same thing. So here's the concept with that, is that where I began, I am now closer than when I first believed. The farther you get from that point of origin, the closer you are to seeing the fulfillment of what God has spoken to us if we do not cast away our confidence, because Hebrews says, but we contend for that as well. So I want to encourage you this morning that uh, whatever the Lord has said to you personally, collectively, or in this city, then he, he hasn't changed his mind. He has altered the thing that he's going to say it. He's just looking for people that will say yes and amen to what he's already declared for that. So I'm happy to be here. It's a, it's a real delight to see Curtis and Joy and, and to be uh, with them in this place. 
And as already said, I am part of a, a group of churches that, uh, that uh, scattered all over the country. And even though I still pastor, I spend uh, allow half my time to traveling with that. I have a great staff and, and leaders that believe in what we're doing, and, and uh, they, they stand with us and, and minister in the church as effectively as if I was there. I want to share with something with you this morning that has, uh, and I don't say this just flippantly or lightly, that has changed my life and, and Diane's life, our family. I've seen it change an entire church. I've seen it change a community. I've seen it change in marriages and people's financial situation. Out of almost 30 years of preaching since I was just a teenager, and by the way, I do know where Slippy Rock was because I was watching them play in Winslow, Arizona, on my way to California to a meeting with another friend of mine and when God spoke to me about what was going to happen. So it's interesting you brought that up. I don't know what that had to do with anything as far as that goes. But, and I wasn't impressed with Slippery Rock. As a friend of mine, he used to go there, and so we were on the way out there and stood, and stayed over and watched him. But in the process of that, that we... It's not just a message, and I, and I, I want to get somehow another past that this morning. This is not just another message for encouragement, just more theology and information. It is the one thing in my life that I've seen such a, a change that caused families that had generational issues and cyclical occurrences that happened in their life that couldn't get a hold of change. I began to find it was a theme all the way through the Scripture, more than any single issue that Jesus talked about, or even the Old Testament. It's, it's the very nature and the mindset of God. And it's the issue of blessing. When I use the word blessing, the first time people start thinking about it is materialism. I'm blessed because, you know, I've got a house and, you know, 2.4 children, two cars, you know, and, and a bunch of mortgages. And so when we think about blessings, we think about the things that are just external and material. And those things are part of that. But the Bible uses the word blessing at a higher level than that. And it uses the word in the Old Testament, it's the word barak. And it brought, barak in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word, and in the, in the, in the Greek in the New Testament is eulogeo. We get the word eulogeo as eulogy. It means to speak well of and to speak large of in the, in the New Testament. But the word barat means to declare God's intention for something the way that it is supposed to be, not the way that it is. So when we talk about blessing, we're not reporting to God the conditions and situations the way things are. In fact, that is the word for cursing. Cursing is not cussing. Cursing means to put something in a lower position than what God had said it to be. Blessing is declaring something in the position that God did. Maybe it's not there at that moment, but it's putting it in a position that, that you see that from God's intention. It's not God's intention that any should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of the Son of God. But yet we know that there are people that do perish, right? So, but by blessing, it is, it is a prophetic statement that we are a prophetic people. God is prophetic. He's always wanting to talk to us about our future, and the devil wants to talk to us about our past. He's always wanting to move us forward, but we get stuck in the past. Hindsight is 2020, and you know, that's a statement that we use. God doesn't have hindsight. He has foresight. That he declares a, a thing at, from the, at the beginning as it has it's going to be at the ending. And then he gives us insight to help unstick us at that moment. 
the problem where a lot of us are that we've had way too much experience with church. We've, I have had way too much experience in ministry. I've had way too much experience in praying for the sick. Because what happens is our experience gives us hindsight, but it takes the Holy Spirit inside of us to release foresight. Because the Bible says we declare those things not as they are, but as they are to be. Count those things that are not as though they are. But for a lot of us, we live from the outside inside. Because we look at the external situations in our country. We look at a family around us. We look at our financial conditions. And then we gauge what's happening there. And then we take it inside and we pull it inside. And it causes discouragement. It causes heartache. It causes disappointment and all that. But the biblical sense is, is that we live from what he's done inside of us by the hope of the Son of God. The faith that I now live, I don't live by the external issues, but I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's not, I'm not saying it's easy to do, but if we begin to live from the inside, which we understand what he's saying to us here, then it begins to change all the external conditions as well. What I'm sharing this morning is that blessing changes the environment around us like a thermostat does, where cursing registers like a thermometer and reports how things are, but blessing declares the intentions of God of what they should be. Anybody can report how bad things are. And, and complaining is a form of cursing. The very thing that God opened the ground up there and, and when he's bringing them across the wilderness, the Hebrews out of that, and opened the ground up and 3,000 people were swallowed up. It was simply out of complaining. And when we complain or we criticize what we're doing, we're stating a, a, a point of, God, you haven't done a very good job of taking care of me. And in doing that, we find ourselves literally cursing. I'm not just talking about a curse that's of witchcraft and cutting chicken's head off and throwing blood around, you know, like that kind of woo-woo curse. But there's people, we have seen hundreds in the last few years that have been delivered by moving out of a realm of cursing that seemed to be very normal for their life and very normal for their family. I grew up in a family where people gossiped terribly about one another, brothers and sisters, and complained about everything. If there wasn't, you know, if they didn't have anything to complain about, they didn't know what to talk about. And it, it left our family in such a, 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 a mediocre state financially and some, so many other ways. We begin to realize that the very nature of God is the idea of blessing, of saying what his intentions are, instead of stating how I feel. And when we moved out of that, I have seen tremendous financial changes in our family and my brothers and sisters, and I've seen it among our own children. The good old boy system is not the kingdom of God. The good old boy system is, you know, sarcasm is not the kingdom of God. Because if we believe what Jesus said in John 6 and 63, the words I speak, they are power and they are spirit, or rather spirit and their life. And those two words together, it doesn't just mean a concept theologically. It means the same thing that he created with in the very beginning. That these words are so creative that they spark something. And so we label people, and when we label them, we put them under a situation to where they can't break out of that because we're saying, here's the intentions for you. And if we can understand this, it can change an entire community 
by simply being a prophetic people. I'm not saying you've got to walk around and say, Thus saith the Lord. It's simply stating that this is the situation, but then you state what God's intentions are in place of that. Let me give you one example, and I'm going to move into the Word. I was sharing this in, in Bible schools, and I've shared it in, in nations, in Korea and Serbia and all around the, uh, you know, in, in parts of uh, uh, Europe. I was sharing this uh, with a family whose son was deeply involved in drugs. Son was in his 20s and living at home, and they knew if they kicked him out, it was just going to get better. They were at their wits' end. He would come home so stoned and so, so out of it, and they would tell him, you're going to be the death of me yet. You're going to wind up dead. You're going to wind up in jail. You're just killing me and your mother. I can't believe that you're doing this. And I mean, that's how we would feel, right? And how dishonored you could be. They begin to hear the message on blessing. Now, please, don't turn me off. Because I'm saying that this is revolutionary. Not theologically. It is something that you can apply every day that causes it to be changed. That's right. Here it is. So they began to say, and his son came home. So they, they came home that one, one night, and they began to declare what God's intentions. We know God didn't intend for you to be a drug addict, but we know that God's intention for you is to be a son. So they started stating God's heart and how God viewed things, and they said, you're a son that I take pleasure in, that my son shall rise up and call me blessed, that you're a son in whom my heart delights. At first they said, we felt like we were lying. Because again, it's, 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 it's such a, a out-of-the-normal sense because it's not how you feel because you're dealing with something that's very spiritual. And they began to say over him, and his son, oh, 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 and he'd go on to bed. Next week he came in, there he was stoned out, out of his head again, and they began to say, the, the prophetic declarations that your future is going to be a man of God and that you're going to declare the salvation of the Lord and the things of God and all that God intends for your life is going to come to fulfillment. Ah, and went on to bed. This went on for a number of weeks, but they were faithful because they were full of faith, understanding that they were saying something that was of a spiritual realm instead of reporting something that the devil was doing. Long about the fourth week, he came in early on a Friday night, or Saturday night, rather. He came in, and it was early, and they looked at him, and he was stone-cold sober. They said, hey, John. He said, hey, Mom, Dad, how's it going? It's good. You're in early. He goes, you know, I just, tonight, something just left me, and I didn't have one urge to go out with my friends. I didn't want to be involved in that. It just made me sick when I thought about it. And by the way, what time is church in the morning? He is such a delight. He has now have a relationship. It's simply because nothing that it had changed for years, and they were simply just saying how they felt, and when they began to declare the intentions of God, everything changed because now they were seeing it through the eyes of God, not through the eyes of their own pers uh, hurt, personal hurt, and reporting how bad things are and telling all their friends about how terrible their children are, and telling how there are all these negative things that's going on there. It all changes. We've seen it with our own children and family. If I had time to tell you, 
that our children now are so prosperous and financially. My son is the general contractor in Dallas, and he had, had no contracting experience, no construction experience at all. And so he just, he just bid on something that he didn't even know how to do, and he began to bless the person he was bidding on, and it was a, it was a commercial uh, roofing job, and I blessed this man that he is a man of righteousness to fulfill the purpose of God, and through that he will be a blessing to me. And, and he got a job in Kentucky putting a roof on. He knows nothing about the roof. Hired someone to put it on, and he made $80,000 and never stepped foot in Lexington, Kentucky. Hired someone there to do it. He just began to bless it because he declared those things not the way that they are, but as they should be. And it was God's intention for him to take that and to be blessed with that. Turn with me to 1 Peter, the third chapter, and verse 9. The context that you pick it up in verse 7 is talking about relationships and really how we speak and, and, and relate to one another. Now let me just say in preference to this that there is a difference between truth and facts. John 8.32 says, And you shall know, the word is intimate, and you shall know the truth. Truth is not information. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word truth, aletheia, means the manifested reality the way God sees it. How I see it may be a factual thing, but how he sees it is truth. Jesus is the way, the fact. No. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What the doctors say may be a very factual issue. It's not that they're lying. It's factual. But when, whatever, that if you think that fact becomes truth then that's the truth we live in. Case in point is when, that the, when the, the Hebrews were ready to go into the promised land the first time and God you know, chose 12, uh, you know, the head out of every tribe to go in as spies into the land and they, began, they came back and they reported what they saw there. The sons of Anak, the giants are there, just like you said, God. Houses we didn't build, vineyards we didn't plant, wells we didn't have to dig. It's exactly like you said. Vineyards, huge. But, you know, we always put the but there. I know God can, but. I'm going to preach a message one of these days. Be careful where you put your but. <laughs> because the word but means everything I said previous to that has no value. Just like you said, God, but. The sons of Anak are there. They came back and reported the facts, but too... Joshua and Caleb came back and they said, yeah, it's like these guys said, but God said that this is our land and we're well able to go in and take the promise of that. And those who live by the facts, those 10 tribes, or those 10 spies never got to go in to see the land. And it was another 40 years and they all died off except Joshua and Caleb who had the blessing of the Lord, and they declared it through the eyes of God, truth, not facts. And so prophetic is simply stating the truth as God sees it, not the facts as the devil wants us to see it, or the way that somebody else wants to pull us in that direction. It's when you know the truth, what the Word of God says, then the facts has to submit itself and bow the knee to the truth. Now here's what he's saying. Verse 7, Husbands, Likewise, live with your wife in an understanding way. That means the fact is you understand who she is. You honor her. 
as with a weaker vessel. And I've seen some women that could bench press more than I could, so it's not talking about, you know, muscle. In a weaker way, meaning the fact is that you're there to be a protector. By the way, the word husband means to grow. The word husband is in the Greek means grower. So it means gr husbands or growers, you're supposed to oversee your, your family and cause them to grow. Let, make sure your wife is growing up in the knowledge of God. Encourage her in the things of God. Blessing her and speaking over her. Those things will cause her to grow. And those are the husband. That's what the Bible calls it. Giving understanding to her. Grant unto her a fellow as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers are not hindered. Literally saying, if I don't understand this, this truth, that it can interrupt or hinder prayer. Prayer just doesn't mean how many times I said, give me, give me, give me, God. Prayer is actually understanding and aligning ourselves with truth. And truth is not fact. Truth is the way God sees it. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, when they were naked, actually scholars say that they weren't naked and that they were naked, that they didn't have clothes on, but they were covered by the glory of God or light, the light. They literally glowed. And so when Adam would look through the glory and he would see Eve, he'd say, wow, baby, there's not another critter in the garden like you. He saw her through the perspective of God. He saw her through eyes of truth. And when she would look through glory, everything she saw was filtered through the glory of God. And she saw it from God's perspective. Life was great, paradise. But when the glory departed because of believing the law, hath God said, that which is untrue, and the glory departed, now what happens? As soon as the glory departs, they're seeing one another differently. Ah! Woman, what happened to you? The immediate thing was, that woman you gave me, God, she made me do it. And the woman said, no, it was the devil that made me do it. Immediately when the glory is departing and we no longer see through the eyes of blessing, we blame one another and we look for things to give reason for it not working and happening. And that is the same of lowering it into cursing. The very thing, what was once a blessing and her lifestyle in the garden between Adam and Eve, this grower, is now has become a curse and he's cast them out of paradise. He said, now you're going to get you're going to have to get things that grow up around the thorns and the thistles and everything else because of you have entered into the curse. When we buy into something that's not true, we're, in, we're agreeing with something that's in a lower place that's of a curse. All right, let me go on with this. Pick it up in verse 9. Be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil. Oh, that is so hard, isn't it? Do not return evil for evil or insult for insult because the human nature is you give it to me, I'm going to give it back to you, isn't it? I know people that says, man, I could just tell them off. I'll give them a piece of my mind. And I always want to tell them, I said, I'd keep all the gray matter you got because you don't have much to give away. But do not return insult or, or return evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead, transition, instead giving a eulogio the blessing, but I, the intention of God, declaring God's intention over them, 
Instead, for you were called, and the word called is kaleo, which means the same thing that a family would name a child and consider that that name means something. You were kaleo, or you were named, and the name he uses, you are named blessing. I call you a blessor, one who is from the DNA of God who's called to bless. We were created in the image or the imagination of God. This physical body is not the image of God because God is a spirit. We were created with the same potentiality as the Spirit of God Himself. If Christ in us, the Spirit of God, is in us, that means the potentiality, the ability to think like, because He says we have the mind of Christ, therefore that we have a mind that has to be renewed, and, and Jesus is not sitting in heaven cursing people. And if as he is, so are we in this present world, 1 John, 3 says, 4, 1 John 4 says, that means that if we're going to align ourselves, then in order not to have prayers hindered, then we have to come in an alignment that says, I need to say what's on his heart and bless what he's blessing. For such we were called, and our name is called blessors. For such as you were called to bless. Instead of insulting and we're in a time to where you hear it in the media, where they make a game out of it, where they make a, a ritual out of it, insulting people. My family that I grew up in, there was so much sarcasm there that we had an art form of it. Hey, ugly, how's it going? And I could give it back. When Diane married in the family and she wasn't used to that, she came and said, what are y'all doing? Man, we're loving on one another. You know, we're from the country. It's good old boy stuff. She said, man, it wounds me to hear you say that. I said, well, my brother is ugly. <laughs> Until the Holy Spirit began to say what you are putting him in a lower position than what I say over him. That means you are cursing. Ah, we don't mean anything by it. Well, how do I know when you mean something and when you don't mean something? Because if the power of life and death is in the tongue, according to what Proverbs says, and those who eat, it, eat its fruit loves it. So when you say he's, he's, he's ugly, then you love, must love it, and that means you have eaten the fruit and you will bear the same fruit. So you will have people cursing you like you have been cursing. Whoa. I didn't like that. When I came in and I started blessing my family, they looked at me and said, you Okay. Yeah, feeling great. You're not the same person. No, I'm not. And I, we begin to see my brothers and sisters change, and they begin to prosper in every aspect of life. And now, and they're all involved in ministry, except we have one brother, the one I used to call ugly. I had to repent of that, and so, and anyway, and he's doing well, doing very good. I was driving in the Dallas traffic one day, and then when the Lord began to speak to me about this. We were going up for a meeting, and, and uh, Diane was with me, and a guy, a young man in a, in a little truck cut in front of me going, you know, 75 miles an hour down Interstate 30. You know, I mean, it's just survival there, you know. And so anyway, <laughs> and he cut me off, and I said, idiot! <laughs> and that was a term that I, my mother had washed my mouth out with soap with before, and I, and I just blurted out. I, I didn't mean to, I just blurted out. And Diane looked at me, and she said, Pardon? I said, well, he is. <laughs> and here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. Why did you just call me idiot? Whoa. 
Lord, you know I would never call you an idiot because I'd be a crispy critter. I didn't, I didn't say that at all. And he said, yeah, you did. He says, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And he said, everything that I've created in my imagination, in my image, I said it was good. And you just said, one of my sons is an idiot. So, well, he's probably not even a Christian like that. He's not one of your sons. He said, yeah, they are. Not all of my sons are serving and going after what I want, but he, I created him. And you just cursed some of my creation. Man, I felt the fear of God come on me strongly. And I repented for that right then. And he said, now I want you to bless him. I said, I bless you. You're like, when someone sneezes, God bless you. I bless you. Blast you, whatever. <laughs> but the point was, he said, no, bless. I said, well, I didn't know how to bless. And the Lord said, bless him like you want to be blessed. Well, I know how to do that. And I just said, Lord, I, I bless him to be a faithful son in his house and that he gets home safely this evening and all of his family enjoys and delights in him and may the revelation of the Lord God come upon him and that he would know who he is in the Lord. Well, I, I can tell you that when I started blessing him, it was the endorphins in my brain was released and I started feeling the pleasure of the Lord. I started feeling so good, I felt it physically. My mental state, emotionally, soul felt in, in, in totally different. My spirit, I could feel it just be lifted. And I thought, wow, if this is what it feels like to be in the presence of God 24-7, and I know that when I called him an idiot, I felt empowered in my soul, my mind, because I was defensive, but there was something that made me sick in, in my spirit. So we begin to look at this whole thing and begin to realize the power of blessing. And we see it changed our community. We started teaching it in our church and marriages that were divided and people that wouldn't even speak to one another. And they started blessing one another in their households and men and women who, who just married and lived in the same house and, and even had separate bedrooms and just stared at one another, began to bless one another. And it began to completely flip and change everything because there's power in the life of our words. Ah, uh, that don't mean anything. It does. And so we begin to teach our men that when you see one another, you say, hey, ugly, how's it going? McKinnon said, there's a man of God whom the Father delights in. And they've just taken off and grown so much. And now because of that, it has eliminated the sarcasm in our church. And people come in and because they feel friendly. It changes the atmosphere because it's a house of blessing and not a house of cursing. Because remember, cursing is simply just putting it lower than what God said. If God didn't say they're ugly, then it's cursing. Now here's what's interesting with this. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead giving that Barak, that the intentions of God instead, for you are called for the very purpose that you might inherit the blessing, that you might inherit the intentions of God when you give the intentions of God. And we know the simple idea of this, if, if you give and it shall be given. We always put that in money, right? But the concept of you bless and you will be blessed. You curse and you'll be cursed. It's not the idea that God curses you. It's simply as you step outside and he's saying, I cannot release my intentions on you for that because the Bible says that, the, that Satan is the accuser and the word there is the same word, the accursor of the brethren. So if I am in cursing, then I am, I'm in agreement 
saying what he says. To belittle, to put down, to make small. But the word magnify means to build up, make bigger than it is. That the goodness of God becomes so big that it overshadows anything the devil might be doing. Whatever we behold is what we become. If I'm constantly beholding disappointment and, and, and concern and anger and hostility, then I become exactly what I behold. There's a whole thing that, that we do is, is on PowerPoint to where a Japanese uh, a scientist, his name is Amoto, Amoto, sound like the guy in World War II. And Amoto, he was not a believer, but he was a scientist, and he knew that sound had a profound effect on people, and he took water, the same water, and he began to put it under certain sounds. And he put it under the, the, had prayer for seven days and prayed over this water. You're good water. Your water is good for me. And I bless this water. And he pulled it out, put it under an electron microscope, and this water was pristine, and it looked like a diamond. He took the same droplet of water and put it up to rock heavy metal music, and they began to say, you know, the, talking about the devil and all this, and began to say, you're filthy water. You have nothing that I want in my life. You know, get away from me. At the end of seven days, same water, put it under the same electron microscope, and I've had the pictures of it. It's filthy, it is polluted, it is brown, it is nasty looking. And the Bible says, out of our innermost being flows rivers of living water. And the word there is potamos, we get the word potable from. Whatever comes out of us, if it is the blessing and the word of God, that means drink from here because you can live. Drink out of my well and because you'll want to be around me. And we want to be around people that are blessing us and not people that are putting us down. I don't mean anything about it. You don't, but, but it, it sticks in the back of their mind. I had a new guy come in the church, a new family recently, and, and one of the guys hadn't caught on and understood you know, the atmosphere and, and, and the revelation of blessing and so he was going around and he was calling people this name and whatever they are and, you know, shorty, baldy, fatty, whatever. And he thought he was making friends and nobody wanted to be around him. He came to me and says, I don't have any friends there. I don't want to stay here. And I said, well, the reason is because you're rejecting them you, you, before they can reject you. No, no. I said, yeah, it is. So began to, he, t- he went through the whole set of series on blessing and he began to realize that that's what he had done all of his life. And I said, and you reject... You reject them before they can even say anything back to you. He began to make that changes, and he saw the first changes in his son where he had labeled them and said, you're just a runt, or you're just a nerd, or you're just that, because that isn't the intention of God. And Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. And if we instill that into one another, this is when you see me and I say this about you, you're going to think this is what I think, and you'll start acting the way you think that I think. Don't ask me to repeat that. I don't think I can. (laughs) How much more to create an environment in the home and in a community and on the workplace that has an effect with that? I was teaching this in a Bible school, and and a lady uh, that was there, she told her friend, and she was a manager of of a business, and she said, you need to start blessing your boss. He said, he ain't worth shooting. And he said, well... How's it working? She said, he and I don't get along at all. She said, you ought to try blessing him. He said, he's a cheapskate. He, he holds back raises from people, and he just is a money pension miser, and so nobody wants anything to do with him. And so anyway, she gave her some, some tapes on it. She listened to it. 
She said, well, I'm going to prove that this doesn't work. On Wednesday, she went in, and she was the office manager. And she was, everybody in the office was hearing her doing this cursing. And she said, this is a man of God who has the pleasure of the Lord, who is a blessing to all of his employees. He's a man that's faithful with his giving and faithful with, with, with growing in favor with God and with man. She said, I didn't really believe it, but anyway, I'm doing what the thing said. <laughs> Thursday, she did it and felt kind of good about it. it. It made her feel a little more better. And Friday morning, she did it. And Friday, by that afternoon, the boss called her in. And she said, man, this is it. I'm getting a pink slip. <laughs> called her in and called her by name and said, I need to talk to you. You know, it's, it's, no, uh, it's no surprise. You and I haven't been getting along for a long time. And he says, I, I just need to apologize to you. I've made life miserable for you, and I've held back raises from you when I knew that you were ready for it. And I just want to say I'm sorry, and I'm going to give you the raise retroactive that you should have had six, six months ago, and it'll be in your next check. She stood there dumbfounded because she was just reporting how she felt instead of declaring the intentions of God because the Bible says all authority is by God. He gives authority and when we're under authority then, and we honor that authority then something changes. We don't have to agree with it but we just simply give honor to that. It all changes. It's a kingdom principle with that. Yeah. Because otherwise if you live by the facts and just report the facts you'll never release the truth. Now, here's the interesting thing with this that we might inherit the blessing. Inheritance is already set in trust. There's blessing that God already has in trust for us, but it's not released until we come into an agreement with the very nature of God of who He is and that He is. He's a God of blessing. And Isaiah says, then the day comes that we will see eye to eye. We're seeing through the eyes of glory. When you look at that person, instead of saying how despicable they are, you begin to realize that they were created by God and we're looking through the eyes of glory. Now I'm declaring what God says about them, not how I, how I, I presume that it to be. And then the, it releases the provision and vision of God. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The word literally does not perish, die. means they go unrestrained. It's like a, a boat that has no anchor and it's just out there bobbing around in the hurricane. Where there is not the ability to see, there is no direction. There is nothing to guide you. And blessing is a leadership anointing that guides us in the direction that God intends for us to be and to go. And he says, you can line up with me and I'll make sure that you're steadfast, unmovable. It really begins to change. We've seen families that that when they begin to change, everything about them begins to ha happen differently. Jesus said there in Matthew, the sixth chapter, he said, bless, eulageo, speak well of and large according to the intentions of God, bless and curse not. Jesus said himself, don't curse my body. Paul says it. Many are sickly and weakly and, and, and die prematurely. Why? It's because they do not discern speak well of the body of Christ. When we take the Lord's table, we first of all say, Lord, we bless the body of Christ in this county. If they name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether they agree doctrinally and fully we do, I bless them. I will not speak against another pastor because he was placed in authority by you. I don't have to understand why he's there or how they do things. I simply because they are sons of God. And me as a parent, my, my kid may mess up, our four kids may mess up, but I don't want someone telling me about it. 
I'll deal with it. And I know when they mess up, but no parent likes for someone else to tell them how bad their kids are. And we come to God and say, ah, look at that guy over there. We don't discern or bless the body of Christ. Therefore, there are many people that have physical issues, financial issues in their own life because they don't rightly discern the body of the anointed one. Christos, the anointed one and his anointing, Christ. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. He's Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. When I bless the body of the anointed one, then I inherit the blessing of the anointed one. So part of this thing we understand with sowing and reaping is that if we begin to sow and declare over people, it causes their, it releases the hand of God to come and minister on them. I have people tell me, ask me, so what about Jesus cursing the fig tree? You know, he says, I said, well, he said, bless and curse not. How about them cursing the fig tree? My understanding of that, Jesus was walking with his disciples, which was the rabbinic way of teaching. They would walk around and he would just, uh, how they, he interacted with society and how he dealt with people. And they were, they were learning that as they went. And when he saw the fig tree and there was no figs on it and he was hungry. Now, and he said to that fig tree, from this day on, you will never bear fruit again. Now, Jesus had power and authority to do all these things, and the devil even knew it because he said, you can command these stones to become bread. Surely he could speak to that tree and say, from this day on, you'll never have a day that you will not be fruitful. I command you to have fruit. He could as easily have done that. But I think that he wanted to show his disciples, see what happens? Because they later came back and they looked at the tree and it was dead. And how quick it became dead. And he wanted to show them, see what happens? You can kill stuff the same way that you can give life to it. The power of life and death is in that tongue. And it's a, it's a training, it's a whole training thing of, of training our hearts and our mind to be people that out of our innermost being comes blessing so that we will inherit blessing. And the devil will do anything to try to say, come on, curse me back. I mean, people will come up and say things Hey, come on, come on. Fight with me. Draw you out of your place of blessing, out of your seat of peace. Come on, fight with me. They may say things to try to stir that up. And the test is, the breakthrough is, is to speak blessing instead of the cursing. Nothing insults the devil any more than to bless in the face of cursing. Exactly. This next verse. Bless those who bless you. Bless those who persecute you and speak all manner of evil about you. It's easy to bless people that bless you. But when you start blessing and speaking things over people that have defamed you, that have said things and done things, that have hurt and disappointed, now you have moved into the realm of transformation and you're changing something from, from death unto life. We saw this firsthanded right in the beginnings when we began to realize the blessing. And my custom at that time, because I wasn't on the road as much, I went into the sanctuary and I began to, I was started by praying, you know, and my secretary said, uh, hey, there's a guy coming in that's wanting to see you. He was dressed in overalls, uh, looked like uh, out in the oil field. 
and he was a scruffy looking guy and and she said go ahead and pray because she knew I didn't want to be interrupted and he, she says I'll set it up later or I'll, I'll just get rid of him and I took one step in the sanctuary and I heard the Holy Spirit saying I have sent him here to talk to you go back out now that well God wants to interrupt prayer time then I must be really a serious thing God was a big guy and he came and his name was Ray T-Ray as a matter of fact and he uh, told me who he was, and he said, I want to sell you the land next to the church. And I said, uh, and the Holy Spirit says, don't buy it. I have a bigger plan. And I'm hearing this conversation, and I don't have a clue what's going on by the Holy Spirit. And I said, no, I, I don't want to buy it. I'm not going to go in debt for it. And he said, I'll make you a good price. I said, no, that's not the issue. I'm just not going to go in debt for it. We're getting out of debt. And he says, I'll carry the note. And I said, no, I, that's still a debt. I'm not going to owe it. And the next thing he says, you know what? I was a pastor at one time. I've been to Bible school. I'm even prophetic. And he went on to say that my daughter, he's a millionaire. He owns a lot of things, the business of the oil field. I'm a millionaire. I said, okay, so? And he says, my daughter hates me for my money, and I think she's a, just you know, a terrible person, and we're estranged, and I just tell her to get out of my life and leave me. And my wife had an affair a few years ago, and every day I think about this guy, and I've asked her to tell me who he is because I'm willing to go to prison because I'm going to kill him. Man, I've never seen a person so angry and hostile, and he was big enough to do it. <laughs> and then he said, on top of that, I took a young man, and I trained him up, and, and uh, I, I, he's like my own son, and I gave him half of my business. And now I just found out that he's... He's stealing from me and taking things from me and stabbing me in the back. I'm thinking, why? I don't, I don't want to hear this. Who? I'm not, I'm not your pastor. So I, I said, here, I don't know what else to do. I flipped, gave him a couple of CDs. Here, go listen to this. I said, I said you, are, you are full of cursing. You are a cursor. And he said, I don't cuss. I'm a Christian. And so he listened. I, I guess he listened to it, and he called me the next day. He said, uh, Preacher, I need to tell you something. I put one of those CDs in the truck and heading out to do, at the oil well. And I heard, I've, I've been to Bible school, and I've never heard anything about this. He said, so I, I said, well, I'll just, I'll just uh, see what it does. He said, so I started blessing my daughter and said, she's a gift from God. She's a daughter of promise. And I bless her, and I call her into her place in the kingdom of God, and that I will delight in her, and she'll eat, it from my, she'll eat from my table. He said, that night, well, it was the day after, 24 hours later, she called me. She was living down in South Texas. She called me and says, Dad, I had a dream last night. Remember, they're, they're a Baptist background. She said, I was standing in front of a church with my hands lifted, which was unusual. And I was leading the singing. And while I was leading the singing, a voice speaks to me and says, call your daddy, repent to him, and go home. She called and did this and just blew me away. And we're meeting for the, I haven't seen her in almost a year. And we're meeting tomorrow for lunch. The only thing that he had done differently in the year besides calling her name is the fact is I begin to declare the intentions of God for this relationship, not the way that it is. He said the next morning he went in, so he started blessing his partner. And the next day, 24-hour period, another time, and he starts blessing this young man. And he came to the office, and this young man was sitting in his office, and he said, T. Ray, I need to talk to you. He said, you've been nothing but a father to me, and I need to tell you what I've been doing. And something happened last night. I got so convicted I couldn't stand it. 
and I need to tell you what I've been doing. I've been stealing from you. I've been bad-mouthing you. I've been preparing to, to start another business and take your customers, and I, I just can't do it. I want you to forgive me. He says, yeah, I knew you were doing it. He said, but you never did, you never did call me out on it. He said, well, I was going to, but about blessing. He was wound to one thing. He said, God, I cannot bless this man who had this affair with my wife. Don't know who he is. And the Lord said, yeah, you can. He said, no, I can't. I just can't bless him. He said, when my son was hanging on the cross and they were all railing him and calling him all manners of evil and it was the devil who was trying to say, come on, curse me. Curse the people. Look what they've done to you. Look how they put you up here and they nailed you there which actually was the high priestly position to have your hands lift, extended. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And when he released that, it, the, the veil of the temple was torn and opened up the way to mercy. He said, if my son can forgive you for all that you've done, and this man that had the fair is one of my sons, and he said, at that moment, the Lord began to show me this man's heart. And he said, what kind of a wretched man would do such a thing? He doesn't know you, God. He is so hurting and so insecure. And he starts showing him this man's heart. He said, I was so broken that I started blessing him. Came home that night and I told my wife, I said, I don't want to know who he is, but I have some money that I, do you know how to get in touch with him? He says, yeah, I know where, he, I can, I know where his address. And she said, he gave him some money and says, here's some money I want you to send to him. Because the power of an offering means the fact is where your heart is, your treasure is there as well. He to prove that I actually really forgave this man, I sent him some money. Wow. Don and I had the same situation. A lady in our church came in and had, she had this ministry and, and began to pull people towards herself and created a whole thing and, and began and, and took several people out of the church. She was a friend. We thought, took it out of the church. So, man, I was just telling everybody, well, don't have anything to do with her and don't let her minister and, you know, don't trust this and that and all this kind of thing. We started blessing her when we started seeing this. And because she was a child of God and began to declare God's intention over her life and over her family and her children. And one day, Diane said, the Lord spoke to me an amount of money that we were going to send to her. And I said, What? She said, yeah, and I know that she hears from God. And I said, well, it's not the devil, I know that. <laughs> Sent her this money, and when she got the, in the mail, she called Diane that day and says, I've been thinking about you guys for a while. And I don't know what happened, but I want you to, I'm asking you to forgive me for what I did. Most of those people have been since, a lot of them have been restored and back in the church now. Blessing brings things into God's divine order, and it transforms everything and brings it into a right perspective I have things like that we got emails the book out there is written out of a lot of this has some of that in there to the point of some of the things are just plum plum out of my scope of understanding my brother had gophers in his backyard just chewing up his, his, his yard or molds whatever they are and now all those little tunnels around there and he'd go out there and in the name of Jesus I curse you rat and I bind you in the name of Jesus and I cast you out of this yard. He'd go out there the next day and he'd put traps, you know, they put bury those traps down in there and the, the, the moles would go up there and just dig right around and go run on. He said, they're getting smarter. He'd go out there again and curse them. Call them out of there. 
and nothing happened. Went and got some poison and those pellets and put down in the dig down and put them in the little trench where they were. He said those things were getting so fat eating this poison that the, that the tunnels were getting wider than they were before. He was so frustrated, he didn't know what to do, and his wife said, hey, your brother's been, been practicing blessing. Try that. And he goes, I don't bless no rat. She said, well, here's some tapes, and he listened to it. And on that was that, where the Bible says God created and made everything good. I don't know why he does some of it, but he, that he created them. In his imagination, he created that rat. And so she looked at him and said, well, how's it working for you so far? Well, no, it's not. Then try this. So he went out there about sundown because he didn't want anybody to see him. He stood on the back porch and he said, Mr. Gopher, I don't know why God created you, but nonetheless he did. And so I bless you to fulfill the destiny for which you were created, which is not chewing up my yard, and I release you to greener pastures. He had been doing this for, for months, you know, this, this cursing thing. He went out and he tromped down all the little trails and all the little tunnels there and tromped them all down. And the next, next evening he went back out and there was not one new place. He has never had a mole or a gopher back in his yard since. I was telling a group of prisoners down in, in a federal prison in, in, uh, in Bastrop, I was teaching there, and I was telling that story and two guys looked at each other and kind of like that, you know. And so weeks later, the chaplain sent me, a friend of mine sent me an email, and he said, you won't believe what happened. They had such a huge roach population in this one cell block, and they, they couldn't poison them enough and get rid of these roaches. They were all over them. And so these two guys said, hey, that message that guy preached, we're going to bless these roaches. <laughs> he, so he said, so they got joined hands in the cell block, and he said, I don't know why you created roaches, God. It makes no sense to us. But everything you, that's created came from you. The devil can't create anything, so you created these roaches. And I bless these roaches because they're created by you, and they have not been created to torment us and carry disease upon us. Therefore, I release these roaches to fulfill what you've created them to be. And he said, I'm telling you, we have proof of it that there was no more roaches in that cell block, but the cell block next over them is complaining about they're just eating up with roaches now. <laughs> and he said, it works. One of the guys, he said, went home, he told his mother who turned him in for drugs. He was a dealer. His mother turned him in for drugs, and he told her, I don't want to ever see you or hear from you again. He was cursing her, cussing her too. He heard this and he went out and he called her on the phone. He had some time left on the card. He called her and said, Mom, I want you to forgive me that you're, you are the mother that God has given to me and you're a gift to me and thank you for keeping me from being, to being killed or somewhere else. And I have now understood that this is a blessing that I'm here. Everything changed within him. He got an earlier parole than what he originally had been given. I'm telling you it works. It's not theology it is the application. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The only truth that, you may, that, uh, that makes you free is not the truth we hear, but the truth we apply. Jesus started the church the way he wanted it. And now he wants the church the way he started it. And the way he started the church, when he was, right when he had ascended, the last thing he did, what did he do? He extended his hands and he blessed them. And spoke blessing over them. Two men on the cross. One said, if you're really who you are, prove it. 
The other one says, we have, righteous, we, have, we have done wrong and we're here rightly. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your paradise. And he said, this day, I, I will, you will be in with me in paradise. One was in cursing, and the other one, blessing. And it makes the difference of that. You can change everything in the environment by simply changing the way that we speak. When God was uh, looking down and he saw the Tower of Babel, he could have spoke to that thing and had it burned up completely. But here's the way God thinks. Instead of doing that, he changed the language. When they no longer could communicate, they were no longer able to succeed in the very thing that was building a name for themselves and yet cursing God with it. If God wanted to change a whole country, a whole nation, a whole society, a whole culture, what does he do? He starts with changing the way they communicate and the way they speak. Husbands and wives learning to speak differently. I was in a conference and, and a pastor asked me to, to, to minister to this guy. And I said, do you know him? And he said, not really. And I said, well, I've got to be on the road in, in 10 minutes. So just speak with him 10 minutes. This guy just come back from Iraq. He was a contractor there. And he was, he was mad. And he said, my wife is in, in the uh, courthouse. And she's filing for divorce as we speak. She's just like her mother. She doesn't do anything right. I bring all this money home. She spends every dime I have and says the house is a wreck and filthy and says she's never, we've been married 32 years and, and, and I've never liked her one day. <laughs> and I says, why are you upset that she's divorcing you then? <laughs> he said, because I don't want to get a divorce. And I said, your problem is you have cursed her and therefore you have the wife you bless or you have the wife that you curse. You created her. You have labeled her. You always, you never, you won't. And you've, you've set this tone and culture in your home. And then he started telling me, he says, I've studied Zen and Eastern meditation religion, and I can pick you up with my mind and slam you against the wall. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not impressed. Because the God I serve can either raise you up or put you down don't fear him that can kill the body, but fear him that take the soul. Finally, I said, listen, I don't have any more time than this. And the pastor had given him some tapes, some CDs on it. I was back in Houston a few weeks after that. And this guy comes up to me. And he said, remember me? And I thought, yeah, you're that Zen guy. And he motioned for this lady to come over to him. And she had a big smile on her face. I thought, man, he works fast. He's already got him another woman. He said, when I, remember when I saw you the other day, I was talking about my wife, and I thought, yeah. He said, here she is. Had his arm around her, she hugging him. And I'm thinking, how many wives you got? <laughs> he said, I listened to the tape on the way home, and I didn't get much of it, but I got the gist of it. And he said, she came in, I was down in the hallway, and she came in, and I said to her, and, and, and started reciting this blessing that's, that, that teaches how to do it. And said to her, you are a gift from God, a helpmate sent from the Father. Therefore, I bless you as my covenant partner. And she said, looked at him, and she said the words became like slow motion. They were tangible, and they were rolling down the hall, and they hit her. So they smote me right in my heart. She said, we've been married 32 years and I really haven't had any love for this man and I was so happy because he worked out of the country most of the time. It's the only way we survived it. 
But when he said that, the only way I can describe it was like liquid love went through my body. And I loved this man at the end of the hall. And it had been several weeks and said, we've been on a honeymoon for the last few weeks now. All they did was change to blessing instead of cursing. This millionaire guy that I was telling you about, he began to grow in it so much to where that a guy owed him over about a million and a half dollars that work he had done and would not pay. Owed him for three years. He cursed him. He sent, you know, sent lawyers after, did everything, couldn't get anything out of him. So he said, hey, you know, I'll just bless the guy. He'd gone around town telling him don't do business with this guy and how bad he is, and nothing changed. So he started blessing. He did this for about a, about a, a whole month, about a four weeks. At the end of the month, and this has been going on three years, remember. At the end of that month, he calls him and says, Hey, Ray, I want to settle this deal once and for all. Come get your money. He would tell you, my cursing almost cost me a million and a half dollars. He says, I was full of pride. So he, I was on the road, and he called me, and he used, to, he used to call me a lot those days, and, hey, what about this verse of Scripture? I've never seen this, so and like that. He called me one evening, and he's real panicked, and he said, uh, Pastor Kerry, I, I need to see you. And I said, well, I'm, I'm on the road right now. When do you get back? And I said, I'll be back tomorrow. He said, I've got to see you. He said, I was up wrestling with God all night. And I said, give up on that, Ray. You can't wrestle God. Win. <laughs> one flick, and you're circling the globe. He said, you know that land that I came in that... Uh, uh, how many acres? 20, 26 acres? 19 acres next to the church I came and talked to you about? I said, oh yeah. He said, the Lord woke me in the middle of the night and says, I have let you buy that land and hold it because it was for the church and you're to give it to them. I never sent you over there to sell it. He said, I've got to get this out of my hands quickly. I have an attorney set up. They've got the papers lined up. I just need you and the elder board to be there in the morning, and we're signing this thing over to you. And he did. And it was improved property as well. I saw, we saw a thing right after the other. Lives changed, marriage changed, financial situations changed. Everything that you can imagine that you're believing God to do, you bless them. I've seen people healed by simply blessing the healer that lives in them. Jehovah Rapha. Because the Bible says, as his name is, so is his praise. So they said, I bless the Lord God. Olin Griffin, who will be here in March, is you know, at the apostolic wing of this. and We travel together a great bit. And he, said, he had bypass, uh, uh, arterial bypass. And he started blessing these arteries. This is the body of the temple of the, whole, the Lord God. These are good arteries. Thank you, Lord, for these arteries. I bless these arteries. His father died of arterial sclerosis. The doctors told him that an arterial graft is only good for about five years, and we may have to go in and do stents and other things. He started blessing them and blessing them. Well, here wasn't too long ago, he went in and had his checkup, his yearly checkup, and they showed him on the x-ray that his body had grown new uh, natural arteries. Just went right around those bypasses and grew arteries that bypassed the bypass. They're just floating around there. Instead of getting in the, muck, in the mirror in the morning saying, you old hag, ah, oh, you look sick. 
The Bible says, what know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You don't even own yourself. So when you curse yourself, you're cursing one of his kids. You don't have as well as a mind to do whatever. No, you're bought with the price, the blood of Jesus. And if you're bought and paid for with his blood, that means when you curse yourself, you're cursing him. When Diane and I were going to be married, I remember the night before, I was thanking the Lord for her and just praising God for her. Oh, God, thank you that you gave me the woman that I never thought I would, I would be able to have. You know, just dreams. She won't tell you, but she was Miss Texas. That's what I said. <laughs> so I was thanking the Lord for that, and I, oh, God, thank you. This, this plow boy you gave Miss Texas, sounds like a God thing. And I, the Lord said this to me. He said, I want you to remember this, that she's my daughter before she's ever your bride. That makes me your father-in-law. <laughs> You're talking about the fear of God coming on you. She, all she has to do is, I'm going to tell daddy. <laughs> Let me finish up with this. Look in Galatians, the third chapter. You know, Deuteronomy says, he's telling the, the, the tribes, I've set before you this day, death and life. Choose life. Every, every moment of the day, we're choosing life or death. Not just in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. But if you can bless your own body and bless your own organs and treat them like, like you are a house of God, then something begins to change. You can see your body healed because you're blessing instead of cursing. Blessing brings to life, and cursing puts it in a lower position. So when you, something is put in a lower position, when you put one another down, when you say something ugly to one another, you're putting them in a lower position than what God did, and now it means that you are an adversary of God. Now look at this. Pick it up in Galatians, the third chapter. Pick it up in verse 13. Christ, the anointed one, redeemed us, purchased us from the curse of the law. Now the law, what it was, it was declaring something over them that really wasn't God's intention. God's intention wasn't to live on the outside of, of, of laws written on a uh, tablet of stone. But Jesus said, now the new covenant is. For the new covenant comes a new heart. And the new covenant is that I'm going to write my law. Not Moses' law, but my law on the fleshly tables of your heart. And the law of God is that he's called us, kaleo. He's called us to be a blesser. That's the law of God. The law of liberty in Christ Jesus set us free from the law of sin and death. There is a law. So, well, I'm not under any law. Yeah, we are. There's the law of liberty or the law of sin and death. We'll function under one of those two. And how we speak and how we declare those things, we'll, we'll, we come under one of those laws. And one of those laws will rule us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for, for us. For it is written, quoting out of the Old Testament, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's why Jesus fulfilled that prophetic Old Testament prophecy that he was hung on a tree and it's a sign of a curse. He became a curse for us, right? Verse 14. He became this curse in order that in Christ, the anointed one, the blessing, the barak, 
the intentions that God spoke to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, the foreigners, you and I, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The blessing, what did God say over Abraham? God didn't say, Abraham, look how many times you blew it. Remember when you lied to Abimelech about your wife? Remember all the problems that you had? What, look, remember what happened with you and Hagar? Instead of re reminding him of his failures, he starts declaring over him, and he says, step outside the tent, look up, can you count the stars? Now, if Abraham was only remembering about all the mistakes he had made, he couldn't see the stars. Get outside of the tent, because if you're stuck inside the tent, you can't see the possibility. You can't see the prophetic destiny. If you can wrap your brain around how many stars are, this is your seed. This is the generations that I'm going to make for you. We've got a series out there called The Power of Imagination. Uh, destiny Publishing, we're writing it as our second book. We're writing it as we speak. Well, not as we speak right now, I'm here. But it's being written. Because God wants to release prophetic imagination that was there in the beginning before the fall. If you can see it, you can do it. And he said, I need to have someone to start with so that you will be a blessing to all the generations to come. But I've got to start somewhere in time. You're it. He chose a man to release blessing, he said, so that you might be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Blessing is not about how much material things I can accumulate and store in my garage. It's about me being a blessing. That inside of every one of us is a reservoir of blessing pent up. Words of life, just to say. And every time that we give out of that, he said, here's part of your inheritance. That's my boy. He's a chip off the rock. So that the blessing of Abraham, what I spent generationally, has already been set in trust for you, but you can't get it. The way that you unlock it is the key of the kingdom is blessing. And when Peter said, when Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ. He was stating the, the blessing, the favor of God. Thou art the Christos, the anointed one. And he said to him, now that you stated that, that I would stated over you that you are Peter, Petros, a chip off the rock. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. He uses the word gates, plural, because, and he didn't use the word, the word hell there. He didn't use the word sheol, which is one gate in and no gate out. But he uses the word Hadassah, Hades, which means, that word means to anything that blocks the light. And the gates of plural, more than one, and the gates that try to interfere and block the revelation of who he is, and the gates that try to block you from your destiny and the potentiality that you have in him is, will not prevail or come over you as a veil. You'll be free from it. So when Peter blessed him, he released to him and he says, and I declare over you, your destiny, your future, that you will not have the veil pulled over your eyes. Hell will not block out light, understanding who you are. Now, let me finish with this. This is the kicker. This is what the Lord spoke to me when I called that kid an idiot. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Peter says, or excuse me, 1 John says, For this very purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
Jesus came to defend everyone that was under the curse of the law. Stand up here, babe, a second. Jesus came to defend you and I that was under the curse. He gave his life, gave his blood for it. If I am cursing my wife and saying things over her that are cursing, then Jesus steps in front of us and says, you can't do that. I love you. You may be going to heaven, but you can't prosper. I push the pause button and you can't move forward because I am defending the blessing and I cannot allow the cursing to advance. Thank you, babe. To destroy the curse, you have to replace it with the blessing. The idea is, well, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. No, that's not true. To withhold doing good when it's in your power to do it, the Bible said, is sin. When I know that God has given me words that I can bless, and I need to train, and I'm saying, you know, they don't deserve it. I'm just not going to give it. Then Then that's sin. I'm withholding what he has given me as a tool, as a right of inheritance for that. I've seen many people that their lives like they pushed the pause button and it wasn't playing through. It was because that they've been so involved in cursing people. It's just a natural thing for them. Well, that's just who I am. Well, the Bible says that if you're born again, that you have a new divine nature and you don't have to start keep making excuses for your old nature. Well, that's how I was raised. Well, that's not how you're raised up. Because we say, well, that's just the way my, I was raised that way. But it's a biblical culture, not a family culture. To see generational things broken and in cursing, you bless it. Money is just simply a way that God tests our heart. God so loved that he gave. Not so, I, I so loved that I withheld. Jesus became like the tithe of the Father. I want to give you the best I have. I'm not sending an angel or a surrogate. I'm sending something of myself that speaks of who I am. Blessing speaks of who we are. You're in the grocery store and wherever you are, and you just start blessing people instead of saying, ah, this never has what I want. Long lines, look at this. (laughs) Then what we do, we just push the pause button and there's people that's been on pause for 20 years because they have something that they've been angry about because when we bless we have the inheritance of blessing but when we curse and complain then we have inherited that same nature and that same side of that Jesus came to to defend and destroy the curse of the devil and there's been many times that I've been on the opposite side of Jesus until I begin to realize. The last three years that Diane and I, we have lived it up. Come on. We are living our dream. Our children are, are going after God. All the financial generational stuff I saw in my, all my family has been broken. My, my kids, they'll, they'll call and say, hey, you know, the one works as an anesthetist at the hospital. I'm having a, a, pers- a problem with someone here at the hospital. But you know what I'm doing? I'm blessing them. I just bless them. And immediately they'll, they'll say in a day or two, you know what? They can't, they can't do enough for me. 
it all changes. Because the Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll even cause his enemies to be at peace with him. And the idea here, the, the, the rabbinical illustration is that the enemy is at the gate, not letting you get into your destiny, and I'm withholding and keeping you out and I'm fighting you. But when you bless, the devil says, man, I'm just, oh, I'm handcuffed, I can't do anything. I find no agreement. He'll even make your enemies be at peace. It means they have to step aside and allow you to enter in. There in John 14, when the soldiers came to get Jesus in the garden, and he had already declared, he said, the prince of this world comes, but he will find nothing in me. So when they came in and they said, uh, Jesus said, who are you looking for? And he said, I'm looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am him. What happened? Boom, they hit the deck. Three times. Who are you looking for? Jesus. Boom, he hit the deck. You know why? It's because there was nothing in Jesus. There was no cursing in Jesus that would agree with the cursing that was in them. If there's no agreement, then they cannot have power and dominion over us. Come on. No Ephesians 4 says, or 5 rather, give no place, topos is really, is the word topos mean land. Give no land or ground for the devil. Otherwise, come and say, hey, I've got a right to come in this house. I've got a right to stand here. You've been cursing your children, cursing your wife. You've invited me in. We're in agreement here. We're best buddies. Well, I believe in God. You can't be here. Well, the Bible says even the demons believe and tremble. So if I'm only at a level of belief, I'm just come up, I'm only at a demonic level. <laughs> because you can believe in something and not believe it. I have to believe so much that the power of life, the power to create, begins to change and transformation at that point. So, Father, we're so, I'm so thankful, O oh God, according to James, the third chapter, that you said this little tongue, the smallest member of the body in proportion to the size that we are, you compared it to a ship, a huge ship, and yet direction is given by such a small rudder. I don't understand how that you give us tongues even. How that we can speak in tongues one moment and speak with fork of tongue the next moment. But you want to have power over the tongue. I pray, oh God, today would you uh, baptize our tongue that we could speak with the eyes and an understanding of the Father and we can see things through the eyes of glory. When we drive through the streets of Durant, we'll bless that place and bless those people and bless that church and bless that bank and bless that business. Go down there and bless that casino. I had a friend that just kept cursing a, night, a nightclub, a topless club down by his church. And he said, the parking lot would stay full. Every time I'd curse, it'd stay full. So when I heard this, I started, because these people are there, but you know, they're deceived. And he said, I started blessing them. God, I bless the owner of that club that they would have the mind of Christ, that they would see through the revelation of the Lord, that they would hunger and thirst after you. You created them not to do this, but you created them to be godly. In one week, he said there was a for sale sign out in front of the club and said, I don't know why, they just left. They were making plenty of money, they just left. It's amazing. When we do things God's way, even though it doesn't make sense, lean not to your own understanding.